Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. Tonight's episode 79, season 2, and I'm calling it Successful Districts. Uh, um, Districts that are brave enough to really self-reflect can improve. And many will not admit they have hurdles to make, and that is when you run into problems. And principals have to have a voice, and they have to have the same atmosphere of trust that we talk about that needs to be developed in a building. But that needs to be developed in a whole district or within a district. And superintendents have to be comfortable enough to show their vulnerabilities. Um, Like Brene Brown said, of course, in Dare to Lead, um, even ASCD Educational Leadership did a whole uh, issue on the empowered principle. So giving the principles the autonomy and the power to make decisions and to make change is important. And I've been seeing a lot of things, of course, from the Wallace Foundation and um, seeing a lot of talk right now around Karen Chenoweth's book, and if you don't know her current book, you should. It's actually uh, um, Districts That Succeed, Breaking the Correlation Between Race, Poverty, and Achievement. And um, I looked at kind of a review on this and somebody that talked to her uh, from the Wallace Foundation. That was Andrea Rigolero. And... Um, And here's a direct quote from Karen Chenoweth. She said, I realize that even when principals lead huge improvement, if the districts they live in are dysfunctional, the schools won't stay fixed. Powerful statement. The schools won't stay fixed. And she's also a residence at the Education Trust. And that is her latest book. Like I said, the districts that succeed, breaking the correlation between race, poverty, and achievement. Um, It was supported by the Wallace Foundation. And I want to share this bit, too, from, uh, from Andrea. It says, after visiting dozens of high-performing and rapidly improving schools around the country, Chenoweth came to this conclusion when she saw some of these same or these schools fall apart after getting a new principal who upended the systems that were previously working. Districts are the ones that hire the principals, Chenoweth points out. And dysfunctional districts are more likely to hire the wrong person or fail to support a weak principal. And we always talk about the importance of developing principal capacity. And there's been more research around the effectiveness of principals. We've shared that on this show and how we need to continue to develop principal capacity. And that is what some of, I, some of what I do uh, in consulting is making sure that principals Um, have the tools that they need to function as effective leaders. And here are some of the questions as she sat down with Chenoweth, and I'd like to run through these because I think they're extremely important, and she got some excellent points out. And this was her interview with uh, Chenoweth. And she said, why did you want to look at districts? What role did they play in student achievement, or do they play in student achievement? And she says, for years I've written about schools that serve children of color and children of low-income backgrounds and that are high-performing or rapidly improving. Ultimately, each is a powerful testament to the power of school leaders to be able to marshal the full power of schools to help students. Um, By the time I wrote this, my last book, Schools That Succeed, How Educators Marshal the Power of Systems for Improvement, 
I realize that even when principles lead huge improvement, if the districts they live in are dysfunctional, the schools won't stay fixed. Principals take other jobs, get promoted, or retire, and if district leaders don't understand the kind of leadership schools need, they are liable to replace them with principals who don't understand how to continue the improvement process and the school tragically falls apart. So I wanted to explore what it looks like when district leaders do understand the key role of school leaders. So my question to you is, does your district understand the role of school leaders and the role that they play. In addition, as I talk with highly effective principals, I have heard many stories of how they have to shield their schools from district initiatives and directives because district leaders far too often undermine school improvement rather than support it. I wanted to dig into that more in this book by examining what successful and improving districts look like and how they function. Uh, and then she asked her, how does this book build on the lessons in your, from in your earlier book, Schools That Succeed? Schools That Succeed laid out some very basic, sometimes uh, prosaic systems that effective school leaders use to ensure that teachers and staff are able to continually improve their knowledge and practice. Systems of managing time, looking at data, making decisions, and so forth. In districts that, that succeed, what I found was that effective superintendents and district leaders establish the systems and structures that allow principals to be successful. The scale is different, but the basic pattern is the same. Um, interesting. And the next question that Andrea asked uh, Chanoweth was, how do districts affect the, su the success of principals? The most powerful question in education is, your kids are doing better than mine. What are you doing? This is the question that can be asked at the classroom level, the school level, the district level, and the state level, and it is the start of improvement. But in order for educators to be able to ask that question, several things need to be in place. Publicly available common data that can be compared, the time and space to be able to look at the data and think about it, and a culture of trust, which we've talked about a lot on this show as well, uh, where asking the, that question is seen as a sign of professional strength and judgment not a confession of failure, important point there. Uh, superintendents and district leaders play a key role in establishing the time and space for school leaders to be able to come together to expose and share expertise. Uh, share expertise, I think that's an extremely important point as well because there aren't a lot of uh, avenues for principals to necessarily share their expertise and to see what's working at other buildings and to uh, formally uh, collaborate in an outside manner or in a manner that can help them use the tools that they're building is what I should say. They also provide the key pieces of understandable data that can inform them, formative and summative assessment data, school climate and culture data, all kinds of data, and the research that can help inform possible solutions to the problems faced. They also establish a culture in which it is safe for educators to betray their weaknesses. Uh, so, for example, when principals get together, they should be able to see that some schools have much more family participation in curriculum nights than others and be able to ask their colleagues, you're engaging a lot more families than my school is, what are you doing? That question exposes expertise that can be shared and learned from. Similarly, uh, the fact that one school has much better third grade reading scores than others can lead to much deeper understanding of what goes into early reading instruction. And this can... Um, in other words, districts can play a powerful role in building the knowledge and expertise of school leaders. 
This is different from traditional role districts have played, which is largely treating principals as middle managers who exist to carry out district directives and deflect the anger of parents away from the superintendent. And we know that's wrong because we've seen how much, how the research shows how effective principals actually lead change, collaboration, and even develop a learning community. Uh, can you share a highlight of your district visits? And Channel has said, I identify schools and districts to visit through a bunch of numbers, test scores, demographics, suspension rates, graduation rates, whatever data is available. I'm looking for high performance and improvement and what never fails to amaze and delight me is that when I go to see what lies beneath these numbers, I find smart, dedicated, hardworking educators who understand that they are doing important work and are eager to share what they are doing with the rest of the field. So for example, I initially identified uh, Lane, Oklahoma through the district analysis of Sean Reardon a uh, professor of poverty and equity inequality in education at Stanford University. Lane students grow six academic years in the five calendar years from third through sixth grade or eighth grade. When I called to find out what they were doing, I talked with Assistant Superintendent Sharon Holcomb, who herself attended Lane as a child and has spent her entire career teaching and leading at Lane. She invited me to visit and I was able to meet students, teachers, and parents. I met one parent who drove her child from another district because her son, who has epilepsy had not been taught how to read and had been bullied and mistreated by teachers in another district. At Lane, she said he has learned to read and is thriving. And Holcomb told me that that was what kept her and her colleagues working so hard, seeing kids that have been thrown out and discarded and seeing them improve, seeing them come from other schools, just beat down and seeing them succeed here. By the time she finished her sentence, we were both tearing up. Uh, then she asked her, Andrea asked her, what are the biggest barriers to districts learning from each other? And years ago, we had no publicly available data that districts could look at, but now we have achievement, graduation, suspension, expulsion, and often school climate data. It is all publicly reported, so there is no real structural barrier to district leaders identifying districts that are doing better than they are and asking what they are doing. I worry about the effect that pandemic schooling will have on the availability of data, but we still have relatively recent data from 2019. But what the field of education doesn't have is a culture of learning from others. And I've said that same thing myself. I remember saying that in an administrator's meeting that we have to do a better job of sharing um, what's working in other buildings with other principals. Uh, there's a tradition in the field that every classroom, every school, every district is so different from each other that there are no lessons to be learned. District leaders who serve few African-American students might think they have little to learn from districts that are primarily black or brown. I was once dismayed and amazed when I heard of a principal who said that the examples of high-performing, high-poverty school held no lessons for her because she only had a few students who lived in poverty. All right, side note here. I actually, uh, leading a high-poverty building for 10 years and turning it around, I remember when I got a, a teacher from a West uh, Omaha building uh, that was a, a not a high poverty building and a higher performing building and she came from a fourth grade and she ended up being a facilitator, citizenship facilitator, I believe it was. And I remember her saying, if I had known what you are doing here and the strategies that you are using with your kids in this high poverty building to help your kids, if I had known those in my building, she said, I would have been able to raise the test scores even more. But she said, our kids were coming on grade level and I just taught the way I always taught and the kids still succeeded and the 
kids still did well. You are using so many strategies to help them overcome different learning difficulties that if I had done some of these, my kids would have excelled and done even better on the test. So I think that's uh, an important point as well, that any school can learn from another school. It doesn't matter whether you're high poverty or low poverty. Um, there are always things that you can pick up from another school, especially things that are working well with students. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, continuing here. Um, but learning can be, uh, but learning can be generalized. Kids are kids, schools are schools, districts are districts. They vary in all kinds of external ways, but at the heart, all kids can learn, and educators need to share information and expertise in order to help them learn. And that is so true. It's not like we hold secrets, and you know we're not going to tell you what's working for our district because we don't want you to copy us. Um, I think there is so much sharing we could be doing. And then she asked her, what do you hope readers will walk away from this book knowing or believing? Uh, the expertise to help all children learn exists, but it doesn't reside in any one person, and the answers don't lie in one particular program, policy, or practice. Uh, the ex expertise comes from the pooled understanding of professionals informed by experience, data, and research, and armed with curiosity and a willingness to learn. Only by marshalling them all together can we hope to help all kids learn to high standards, but we can do this. And I totally agree with that as well. Um, when I was asked by um, uh, Nebraska Loves Public Schools and um, some of the things that we were doing that, that improved our achievement or that made the school, um, the focus program and even the school before that, the success I had at the high poverty building, if you could name one thing, there really wasn't one thing. It's like they said, there were, there were a variety of things that we did in helping students uh, build um, uh, social skills and helping students have uh, positive behavior supports in helping them have strategies and tools to stay engaged and to overcome learning difficulties. There are a lot of things in a very collaborative uh, community and atmosphere that helped them. So um, I wasn't able to always give them one flat answer, especially for I Love Public Schools, because there were so many things that we did that kind of worked together to help that building be successful. So it wasn't any one thing. And a lot of the credit goes to the staff and the teachers and the collaboration and the ideas that we shared and the innovation that we created together. And we looked at things that were working in other buildings and we looked at things that were working in other districts. And that's where we have to get. We have to look at what's working uh, doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter if you're a competing district, we have to decide what's working and can it work for me and can it help my students and put the students back at the core and at the center of our goal of increasing achievement and helping those students succeed and getting back on track. So as a district, keep uh, that self-reflection going and keep looking uh, specifically at what you're doing as a district and are you developing trust, as I mentioned earlier? And as a wrap up tonight, um, you may want to check out that book. And again, thanks to Andrea Regalero, I'm butchering her name, I'm sure, Regalero uh, for um, the author of this and her interview with Karen Chenoweth and uh, her book, Districts That Succeed, Breaking the Correlation Between Race, Poverty, and Achievement. And it sounds like she says some things that need to be said and things that aren't always outspoken in districts. So um, check it out. 
Um, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, check out stuff from the Wallace Foundation. Keep involved in research. Keep looking around. There's a lot of stuff out there right now. And keep keep the information coming in and keep learning for sure, especially if you're a leader. Keep learning. And I'd like to end tonight with a quote again. A genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus. And that was Martin Luther King Jr. So keep promoting effective leadership through productive culture changes. And until next time, Stay positive. You've been listening to Urban Principle. Leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com.